Hey everyone, and welcome back to Once Upon a Timing, your only podcast about taping on National Regina Day. Happy Regina Day to those who celebrate. And what better way to celebrate than by literally taking the most important part of Regina and uh, having just Henry tell it in a, oh, did you want to hear another story? Do you want to hear why Regina really hated Snow White? And then half a page later, her entire tragic backstory is done. Happy Regina Day. Her her whole everything was basically just went, oh, yeah, her mom, like, killed her boyfriend. That's why she's like this. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> you'd think that Henry, like, would care more about the story about his mother since he's, like, so obsessed with that she's the evil queen and stuff. It's just so much hand waving. The, the whole end of this book just, it felt like there was a time crunch and we were hitting the word count limit. And they were, go, 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 go. And it really, I think we talked a couple a couple chapters ago about how we were hoping that there was some sort of big reveal. <laughs> hey, stop, stop, just stop throwing stuff around. Beth is raging so hard. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, you know me. I'm a, a party harder rager. I'm just trying to move something on my desk and then something else fell. And I don't know what and I'm too afraid to find out. So eventually <laughs> I'll know. But I don't want to leave my spot, so it's just a mystery now. But we it's have to a, live it's with. It's a problem for future Beth. Yes. Um, current problems for present Beth are um, we never. Uh, I don't feel like they. I don't feel like they really like did what they needed to do in this book. They don't tell you anything. If you don't know anything about this show, again, the weird Venn diagram of who this audience is. Like they just introduced. Jiminy? I feel like we didn't know the cricket. Did we introduce the cricket in an earlier story? There was a brief side note where Henry mentioned that Hopper, Dr. Hopper was Jiminy. And okay. it, was just, it was just a throwaway line when we found out that Henry was seeing Dr. Hopper. Okay. Oh, but- right. Because then Emma goes, oh yeah, he does walk a little funny, which is just like, Okay, I remember that now. But yeah, it's just like, hey, Jiminy's here and he's stabbing a man in the leg. <laughs> he's stabbing him in the leg and laughing about it maniacally. I I love the idea that your conscience can be and can be like a vengeful cricket. <laughs> well, everybody, we are talking about the final chapters of Reawaken, a once upon a time tale. I didn't count how many chapters there were in this last installment. Was it six? I think it was four because I also thought it was six for some reason. Um, But I think it's just four. I'm looking at the wiki page for it. Hold on. Scrolling up. Uh, Lost and found. Stable boy, the stranger, apple red as blood, and land without magic. One, two, three, four. Gotcha. Yes, the final four chapters of Reawaken a Once Upon a Time tale that closes out the story of season one and ends on the cliffhanger into season two, which I really don't feel like the book needed to do. We could have just ended with the kiss and the curse lifting and everyone getting their memories back and having a big party. And then, you know, off in the distance, Rumple is doing whatever. We don't need to know what it is because this book isn't getting a sequel. No, and like... I feel like if we're going to make changes to the book uh, from the show, we do not need all of these weird things happening in the background mm-hmm. that never get explained. Because like I, I think I started talking about this before, but I was waiting for some sort of, aha, it, it was me, the queen who killed Graham. It, w- he was getting too close and remembering. 
it was me who who took out her heart and then put it like I was waiting for some grand speech. I don't know why, but just to to give context to all of these strange things, we never get an answer to why Catherine just shows up. But Emma's just like, I know you did it. No rational human being would just be like, yes. I understand that we found a heart that was DNA sampled to to Catherine, but then Catherine appeared, and then that's it. And then we just drop it. Yeah, I mean, Sydney does come and confess, like he did in the show, but that's, you know, there's a lot more that goes into it than what is explored in the book. And yeah, there's so many just drop threads We never, you never find out that Graham died because his heart was crushed by Regina, who had his heart in her vault. That's a kind of an important plot point. I also think, and I'm mad that I don't have the book in front of me right now, but I'm pretty sure when they just, like, Henry kind of hand waves the story about how Daniel dies, I think he just says uh, that she crushed his heart um, instead of, like, ripped it out. And crushed his heart because, in 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 the Enchanted Forest, those are two different actions. You can rip someone's heart out, and then they continue to be alive. Mm-hmm. Crushing it, on the other hand, that's the bad part. Um, yeah, just yeah. All right, so everybody, we're gonna go ahead and go chapter by chapter, and, and just in case you choose to go a little bit slower in these final four chapters, we want to give you an opportunity to, you know. Catch up on your reading in the manner in which you see fit. So we're going to start with chapter uh, 14, The Stable Boy. And what an appropriate name for this chapter because we never learn his name. He's only referred to as The Stable Boy, at least in this chapter. Maybe in the flashback with Regina, she might have mentioned Daniel. But here, just Stable Boy. Yeah, just Stable Boy. Oh, yeah, there's a guy. Yeah, I think later they call him Daniel because I keep I kept seeing it. Um, but yes, it, the, this is a this has a very strong like what happened to Frederick vibe of like it's called the stable boy because this this is a very important piece of um, history that we need to know. It defines Snow's motives. It defines Regina's motives. And it's just a Henry sitting there at the table. Did you come here for story time? Okay. My mom, uh, they, they don't do a very good job, especially in these last couple of chapters. They do not do a very good job at conveying what Henry actually wants versus like his actual, like in his feelings and stuff. Which makes, like, the later chapter super jarring when he, like, starts having his, like, little freak out. So, like, yeah. Just a lot of hand-waving through the poor little stable situation. And Cora. Yeah, her mom. Yeah, her mom. Her mom. That lady. She sucked. She 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 murdered. She murdered the stable boy. But, yeah, so the thing that I noticed about this was it's all prompted by Emma. She's feeling a little, you know, disillusioned from her whole experience with Jefferson. She sees Henry at the diner having breakfast. She's like, I'm just going to go say hi to him because I can't sleep. And then she pops down. And the the first thing he says was, I know what you're doing here. You came for story time. And then we hear the story. And it's just really ridiculous. And the thing I want to point out here is... There's two notes, and one's going to come in later. One is that we actually in the past only get Emma's past POV, because we actually get some of Emma's past in flashbacks. 
Those do not happen in the book. We only get the ones with snow, which is very weird because if we're doing a dual POV, why aren't you doing the dual POV with their dual flashbacks? And two, this was a huge missed opportunity because what better way to explore the whole encounter between Snow and Regina than through Snow's perspective? Because that's what we're here for. It gives us an opportunity to do something new. Regina, you know, like Snow, you know, got stuck on the horse, running away, meets Regina. Regina saves her life and that whole thing starts. In the show is through Regina's point of view. I would have loved young Snow and her whole thought process, but that would involve effort that did not go into this book. So the last of these chapters, it was real bad in the first uh, two parts. It gets real bad in this these last four chapters of it's just dialogue. Mm-hmm. I got lost on who was talking a couple of times, several times, um, because they stop you. You know, they do that thing where sometimes if people are talking for a long period of time, you can just stop using tags on stuff. Be like, why? Because? Because why? And you can kind of follow along. Sometimes people would enter the story, and I would not notice that it was them talking. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh well, this is this is Mary Margaret and Emma talking. Wait, when did David get here? <laughs> What's yeah. going on? Wait, Henry was here the whole time? Shoot. Oh my god. Who else is here? I just like get grumpy. I I've been I've literally been here the whole time. <laughs> Dr. Whale shows up to talk about his watch. Doctor do Duncan on Dr. Whale. Poor Dr. Whale. Guys Doctor Whale deserves better. He was Dr. Frankenstein. I just love the whole time. I like it when anytime Emma dismisses any character in this book, it's always like, oh, he's just crazy. It's always crazy. There's never, like, there's never another thought. Like, maybe Regina's evil a little bit, but other, everyone's either crazy or fine in her book. There's never, including like... Henry. Including Henry. And Henry goes back and forth from time to time. Yeah, and, and, and further, further, you know, just to note, crazy is a very loaded term. And uh, hearing it described so often is um, not the smartest or healthiest attitude that this book can take i i'm i just don't uh, really i uh, don't really the early care. 2000s um it was a different time it was a different time 10 years ago um i but i also think that like i don't know and again not this is not a shocking revelation i just do also think it's just poor storytelling of just being her dismissing anyone telling her something that she's not answering as crazy because again as you mentioned we do not get emma's pov of her childhood we just get, like, accosted with it in this back half of the book. With, oh, yeah, she's got, like, a lot of baggage from that. Didn't you? We never talk about it. Didn't you know? Didn't you gather this from the, between the lines? No. Well, all of this uh, flashbacking in the form of Henry telling a story is interrupted by Catherine being found in an alley, taken to the hospital, and and that just happens. And Mary Margaret is released from jail, and that just happens. And then uh, they have a party, and that just happens. They, they throw a party. They they throw a party for the hooray, you're not a murderer, but not hooray, we found you. Have you ever just decided you need to leave a community? <laughs> because when you're not murderer gets a party, but you who was missing and they thought presumed dead, it does not get a party. So. I find it interesting that 
I don't think we actually ever find out exactly what happened with Catherine. Do no. we ever, like, find out? No, she's gone, right? She's just gone. She leaves. I think Catherine does return, though. Because then it's like, it's, I, I, I genuinely don't remember. Because now the book has confused me. This is what I'm the most mad about. I can't remember what's real or not. <laughs> Help me. <laughs> and then, so, Emma's trying to put together the pieces of what happened with Catherine, whatever happened to Frederick. You know, that's that's long past. And uh, Sydney's there. He's drunk as a skunk at 8 a.m. And he's like, hey, did you know Regina has, like, these keys that can open any door? Uh, by the way, later I'm going to confess to the murder that I, to the kidnapping that I did it. Um, the, the whole Sydney thing is another real missed opportunity. Not that the book needs to describe his past as the genie who fell in love with Regina and helped orchestrate the murder of Snow's father. Because we also get a very quick throwaway line near the end of the book where Snow goes, uh, yeah, well, you murdered my dad. <laughs> it's like, what? We haven't heard many mention of this. What's going on? <laughs> but yeah, so like, there's all this speculation. Emma keeps speculating why Sydney is so attached to Regina. And we know what the reason is, but the book never gives a reason. And so it's just this weird hanging chad. She does come back. Sorry, just make sure you... She does end up coming back. Um, And Catherine is taken to the hospital to undergo a detox to filter out the drugs in her system. Fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) And then her and David keep having this back and... uh, Mary Margaret and David keep having this back and forth where he keeps trying to be like, I don't know what's going on. My brain is so confused. I feel like there's two people inside me. I am both. And Mary Margaret's like, I don't care. You were a jerk. And I hate you. But once I get my magic memories back, I'm just going to forget literally all of that. So don't worry about it. It's like no big deal in like a couple of days. I I just, ugh. they don't expand their story. I'm not rooting for them. I don't care. <laughs> I just don't. Like they don't expand on it enough at all in the, in the book. They're just like, no, nah, they had an affair, but you don't get to be a part of it. You just get to see them fighting constantly. <laughs> And this is a situation where the actors really, like, enhance it. I mean, I think the story was interesting on its own, but I think the two actors and let's be, you know, without being too drama, um, both of them were in other relationships when they met on the show. And then they weren't in other relationships and they got married. So... There, it's like IRL, like real life parallels and stuff. But I mean, they're still that's, together. It sounds like they're. Hmm? That's some very method acting. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's be let's be so covert about this that we're actually having affairs in real life. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if they were having extramarital affairs or if those relationships were dissolved or, you know, they were, you know, in plural relationships and then decided to become monogamous with each other. It's we don't know. But all I'm saying is uh, the actors definitely, you know, had a real chemistry that, you know, really influenced the quality of the performance. None of that is here. I hate these two and I don't want them to be together. No, yeah, no. It's just like, I don't care. Like, I kind of like Mary Margaret towards the end when she starts getting a little fighty with Emma. But like, at no point do I like David. I barely, I barely bonded with Charming either. Because we don't get enough of Charming. We don't get any of his backstory and the stuff that makes him Charming. 
we just get him kind of seeing snow and then them being in love with each other. And he keeps like telling her that he's in love with her, but it's, it's just, there's no, there's no conviction behind it in the writing or in the moment to support it. It just feels like, it feels like him trying to say like, Oh, I love you, babe. Like anything to uh, just keep, you know, what he wants, which is, you know, this, you know, to have it all, to have all these relationships and, and, you know, all these ladies. But we know that that's not the real Charming. That's not the real David. It's just the book is bad. The book the book does, does a poor job because when you just talk about it surface level, it doesn't sound great. Because you're like, oh, okay, so they, they like, got cursed. And then when they came back, like, he's married. Um, but then he kind of doesn't, like, feel it with his wife, but, like, is going to try to make it work. But then, like, literally immediately turns it around to start dating this other woman who he barely knows. Um, and then like they have an affair and then that doesn't really work out. And then he lies to both of them and they get mad at him. And you're just like, no one roots for that guy in that story. Not a single person. <laughs> because again, the man may or may not have been suffering from a very severe TBI and was in a coma and then comes out. And then it's just like, Hey, you got to go back to your life. There was no reacclimating him. No, no, none of these things. And it was just like, Oh, by the way, you have to start making some very big momentous decisions. You've been unconscious for 28 years, <laughs> but there was a magic windmill that gave him back all his fake memories. That's nice. I love a good fake, fake magic windmill. Uh, and then we get the reveal that Sydney da, 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 is the one who had kidnapped Catherine or so he claims he turns himself in. This also comes out of nowhere. A lot of these moments, especially the ones later on in the first season and in the back of the book, rely on character moments, interactions and moments that do not exist here. So it's just like one one thing I, I really... I like to read a book before I watch an adaptation mm -hmm. because I don't want that performances to color my vision. In this case, I needed the performances to color my vision because otherwise there was so little to go on. I could not help but just be recreating the scenes in my mind so I could fill in the missing pieces. Yes. And yeah, it's just because even with when Sydney turns himself into Regina, we get these these moments with Regina and Emma when Emma's just like, you've done all of this, but can't verbalize what she thinks happened because obviously it's an insane thing that happened. We found a heart. We found the person again. And now the, the ex editor of the paper has now confessed to it in front of you and the, and, and the mayor. Why did she, why did he go confess to the mayor? It's all very weird. And it's just like the entire soul of the story has been removed. Mm-hmm. It is just very cut and dry. And then Sydney came in and then Sydney confessed everything. And Emma didn't, Emma didn't believe it. And so she yelled at Regina and Regina said, why? Like, he just confessed, like, you shouldn't be worried about it. And Emma's like, I don't like any of this. I'm going to go kidnap my son. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm going to try the legal process for like five minutes until I get bored. Boy, <laughs> that's the other thing. Removing the soul out of this entire story really makes Emma... An actual villain. Mm-hmm. Like, what did she think? Like, in the show, it's still the wrong decision, but you can feel the desperation. 
And in this, yeah. it does not. It no. It's like it doesn't. You still got time, girl. It's fine. Well, yeah, because yeah. First of all, yeah, you have plenty of time. But again, because we're missing those POVs, we don't understand Emma's view of childhood and how she wants. I mean, that's all she ever wanted. She wanted Henry to have his best chance. Right. That's a very moving, very moving moment. Um, but when she sees that Henry is suffering, she panics. And Emma knows how to do one thing. Run away. So how do we fix this? We grab him and we run away. That all makes sense. None of it makes sense without any of that story. (laughs) It's just a crazy lady who was a bail bonds person who has been in this town for way too long, somehow was given a gun and a badge, and is now abducting a child. (laughs) To the point where he's crying and screaming and begging to get out of the car. And Yeah, and then... I don't know. It's just also that it, they. I feel like they don't explain Emma's rationale enough mm-hmm. because they just be like, oh, well, you wanted Henry and you this and you that. And it's just like, they don't, that's not what happened. Henry, or she did want Henry, but like not enough that she was going to just show up and take him one day. Because until he showed up at her door, she had not thought about that child in 10 years. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't like she was sitting around going, I hope one day I can get my life together and go find my son. No. She just oh. closed it off in the back of her brain and just was going to let him live his life. He showed up, and now suddenly she's in problem-solving mode. Um, And it, it is very bad at it in the book. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go ahead and move on to Chapter 15, The Stranger, who will be a stranger no more, because we're going to get to know so much about August, including the fact that Gold thinks he has a fake name. He's kind of sensing about it. Yeah, yeah, I mean... Gold Gold is such a small role in this book. It's so weird. It is very... It's bizarre how, like, small it is, but also, like, that to add with, like, when what happens at the end, we don't build him up enough. I'm not scared of him. I'm mostly confused by him. I don't know why Emma remembers who he is most of the time. (laughs) (laughs) And, yeah, so she's first working with Gold to try and build a custody case against Regina, and while that's happening, August is, you know, who's been putting a deadlock on her door so no one can sneak in and hide knives and hearts in people's houses, uh, is like, hey, can you take a day off? I want to take you somewhere um, because of reasons. And her inner, the only extent of her inner monologue we get here is that she constantly thinks he's going to murder her, <laughs> which is very Twilight and also very weird. And like, when you see what August looks like, the, the actor looks like a puppy dog. Like, he does not look like the kind of person who... But then again, that's it's who you least suspect. Yeah, but, I mean, listen. First of all, I'm constantly convinced that someone's about to murder me in broad daylight all the time. Um, <laughs> like, it's just, any moment now, it's going to happen. Um, no matter... By puppy dogs involved. Invo- um, but, yeah, we don't get that. I do, I'm sorry. Now I can't stop thinking about her being, like, Bella and, like, quietly in love with Edward. So she's Emma's in love with August being like, oh my God, is he going to murder me? Oh my God. He <laughs> thinks I'm so pretty. I want to live with him for the rest of my life. I don't care what kind of weird, freaky creature he is. I love him and I want my immortality to start right now. <laughs> Only when I'm 18. But also, because that's when it's legal. 
That's when it's legal. <laughs> I, I couldn't imagine becoming this is so side topic, but like they say that basically your brain doesn't finish growing until you're 25 years old. Mm-hmm. Like somewhere around that age, like your mid twenties, which, and and that's no shade. I, I think about that fact all the time. When my, when I started like kind of figuring stuff out was about at that time because your brain finally just goes, okay, let's look at all these lessons we've learned and move forward. I couldn't be uh, imagine being like trapped in my body as an 18 year old. I'd have been a psychotic vampire. Like mm-hmm. I'd have gone nuts way sooner than I think regular adult vampires would have gone. 18-year-old Abby as a vampire would have been a menace to society. (laughs) Um, All right. So Emma does eventually agree to go with August, but it's only after Henry discovers that there is a new chapter in the book. And it's about Pinocchio. And then we talk very, very briefly about Pinocchio's story, which was also weird considering how much it connects with Emma's. I love it's just like, oh yeah, we found I found you in the woods, I pushed you in the diner. Um sorry, I'm I'm just poking around on the, the wiki because I wanted to figure out if they added Wayne for some reason, because I thought it was weird to see August's name in full print. Uh-huh. Um, August is named after Wayne Booth, a literary critic who was who coined the term unreliable narrator. That's amazing. Yeah, but also he's not an unreliable narrator. But Emma thinks that he is because, Mm. but he also then like, isn't it in season one? Is it season one where he lies to gold about being Bay? He does. Or is it season two? Because I remember being like so skeeved out when he kept going, Papa. I'm like, no, (laughs) stop it. Papa, it's me. No, we miss all of that. We miss all of August's (gasps) conniving schemes. There is a line in this section when they're talking, when Henry and Emma are talking about the Pinocchio story that just really stood out to me where, um, well, first, I love how it just says, Henry explained the basics of Pinocchio's story (laughs) until, and then it all sounded familiar, until Henry got to the part where the blue fairy asked Geppetto to design a magical portal wardrobe to evade the evil queen's curse. Then Emma says, hold on, this story joins up with the other ones? And I was like, that's the whole plot of the show. I am obsessed with that line because Emma, <laughs> Emma realizing it this far into it. I just want, I want to just quick jump into Henry's POV of him just going, you don't listen when I talk, do you? Because <laughs> yeah, he's told her about like red and snow. Yeah. And- red is best friends with snow. And then they found charming together, but they're all doing this because of Regina and literally every story I've told you links these stories. And I was like, wait a minute. I'm just waiting for you to be like, wait a minute. Does Snow know Charming? <laughs> uh, I, I would love, I, yeah, I would love that. Wait, no, hold on. You told me Archie was, hold on, hold on. It's on the tip of my tongue. Geronimo? Oh, <laughs> The other thing, I mean, this this chapter is not very interesting. Let's, be, I mean, the whole book kind of fizzles out, but we also get Mary Margaret kind of sizing up Regina and being a little sassy, um, you know, kind of also defending Emma, which is a little bit of that motherly instinct. And then Emma going to Gold and Gold saying like, look, babe, I can't help you. Um, nothing I can do. And then Emma's like, oh, you're, 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 you're saying something sneaky. I'm going to go talk to the puppet. That's what you mean, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. 
Uh-huh. And so she, yeah. So she finds August, they leave the town, and we get a little bit of internal monologue where Emma's like, oh yeah, this is the first time I've been out of Storybrooke since I came here with Henry. How much has changed since then? That's like the extent that we get. It's wonderful. How much has changed? How long have I been there? The world is so different. And we just get so much talking and talking August is like, believe. Emma says, no. Then she's like, I want to believe. And then it doesn't work. And then he's like, here's my leg. And she's like, it's weird. It's hairy. No. He's like, oh, my God, you don't believe. I will now stand up and get on the motorcycle and ride back angrily. Uh, And then she kidnaps Henry. Listen, if I got drug out to the woods by a real cute guy and he didn't murder me or make a move on me, I'd be super mad about it. (laughs) You'd want to get murdered. Abby, you're getting too much of that Bella Swan mentality. Come on! Why won't you murder me? Don't you think I'm pretty? Um... I, I love the jump, too. Just, she she gets so upset. She, he made me touch a tree. It didn't work. I, it doesn't, none of it makes sense. None of this makes sense because we barely explain the wardrobe. We barely yep. explain anything. And when we did explain the wardrobe, it was way back before because we're not getting Pinocchio's story on top of this. And Geppetto making the bad Geppetto choice. I just, it's whatever. And so, yeah, this chapter went... Uh, and then the next one is chapter 16 an apple red as blood and this one starts with a snow white story of the daring the daring battle to rescue charming uh from the clutches of king george and the evil queen and it sounds so silly when you read it because it's like just it's not a battle at all it's like eight people and granny and some fairies and the fact that Grumpy's love story, which was a trauma that turned him from, what was his for his name? Like, hopeful? Dreamy. Dreamy. Turning him from dreamy to grumpy. And this is the way he ref- references that. The, the single traumatic event that turned him into the sourpuss we know, as, know today. He smiled. Did I ever tell you about the time I fell in love with a fairy and we made a plan to run away together? Man, oh man, it was something else. (laughs) And that's it. It's so weird. Remember that time I almost died? It was crazy. Like, that's not how we talk about things. It's specifically not how Grumpy talks about things. And and then, yeah, so she goes to they go to rescue Charming. Uh Oh, Charming is in the mirror and they capture King George because Jiminy stabs him. Stab, stab, stab. Stab, 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 stab. Murder cricket. And then Regina and Snow have their scene, but it's just talking. There's no insight into how snow is feeling how she's responding to the situation internally because she is she is essentially offering to suffer in torment for eternity to save the person that she loves we get that on jennifer goodwin's face we don't get that on the page like we need to know how this is impacting her psychologically the choice that she's making and the sacrifice yeah, there's a reason that you put it in her POV, and this is what we were excited about when we first started reading, because we thought we were going to get this stuff, mm-hmm. and we certainly did not. 
Because Oop. that's what it should be. It should be, oh no, I'll never be with him, but he shouldn't die needlessly. I'll eat this out. I will make these choices. I will do these things like, this would be better than constantly running and defending, and I don't believe her, and da 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 Where is any of this? It's just no thoughts, just talk. <laughs> no brain cell, just go. It's so much dialogue, and it's it's some of it is directly from the show, some of it is reinterpreted, but it all just feels really hollow because, you know, Emma tries to take Henry out. Henry goes, no, no, no. He swerves the car. They almost crash, and... And uh, Emma tells this to Hopper. I feel like Hopper should have a slightly different reaction to the birth mother with no legal rights tried to kidnap a person's child. He's a mandatory reporter. Yes! <laughs> like, hmm. I, I, yeah, like, everything, everything about this was bad. It's not spectacular. Um... I just love the idea that, too, it was just, like, try to kidnap him, and then it was just like, okay, I won't kidnap you. And then she just goes, so I dropped off Henry, and then I left. And it's like, all right, see you tomorrow. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Sorry, I tried to kidnap you. Sorry, Let's just forget I'm it, okay? Just, I'm having, a, like, a weird, I need to go just get some, like, hot cocoa. I'm just not feeling myself today. <laughs> and uh, our, uh, Hopper tells Emma that, you know what, she's just going to have to make peace with Regina. They're just going to have to play fair because this is none of this is good for Henry. And he makes some good points, but they're all points directly from the show. So I'm not going to give the book any credit because these are all things that are directly from the show about how Emma coming into Storybrooke has, you know, it's had negative impacts on Henry's life. It's not her fault, but it's just this instability and children need stability. You know, they need consistency. So apart from that, so she heads over to Regina's house to make nice and uh, off over here in a side quest. Regina has been getting the the apple through a portal with Jefferson because she had the hat. So that's happening, guys. It's just not here, but it does exist somewhere in the ether. Things are happening. Mm -hmm. It's fine. No one worry about it. And yeah, so she, so they make nice and then Regina offers Emma a turnover that she happened to be baking with no context and no, no understanding of what Regina is up to because it just happens out of nowhere. Emma takes it and is like, hey, thank you. Thank you for this. This is I great. I love this. I am very happy about it. And, and Henry comes over and she tells him that she's leaving, but she gets visitation. She's going to be able to come visit Henry. And he's like, no, you have to break the curse. It's a curse. Uh, don't eat that turnover. My mom made it to kill you. And then he eats it. And then he collapses. And it's a da 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 And And somewhere Jefferson is releasing Belle from a, the facility. Yes. Like, go find Be go he'd be like, hey Regina, I got Regina the apple and she's a she's just a big jerk, so I'm gonna go be a big 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 jerk back and it will inform what gold is doing later. We don't need to know any of this. Mm -mm. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, remember when Gold like has Belle with her when he unleashes the purple smoke? She's there with him in her hospital gown. <laughs> but we also just have no idea that Gold even did any of this. No. We just, it's a purple cloud. Emma never thinks about the egg after, we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves. So, yes, yes we're now no, in, Henry's we're in now hospital. in the final, 
Yes. We're now in the final chapter, chapter 17, A Land Without Magic. How does uh, all of this start- happen in a single chapter? Please. I I don't know. But the chapter does start with some lovely, weird, like some weird sentencing and typo situation. Like there's a bunch of like non-capitalized words and and it's it's just it says the hospital screaming frantic cries dr wills harried questions more doctors trying to stabilize henry tears uh yeah and i i love i love that we don't like dr whale but he is the only doctor so it's like so what's wrong with him dr whale but at never point no point does she think to herself like this guy sucks like he's a bad doctor we just think that he's weird about his watch. And it's like, have you met, never met a doctor? They're weird about the things that they're weird about. Like, you, that's what they do. It's fine. Yeah, I don't feel like Dr. Whale's qualifications are ever questioned. It's just more his personality and his mannerisms and behavior. Um, but yeah, so it's Henry's, Henry's down. And then he's like, there's no way he was poisoned. And it's like, you also say that it was definitely Catherine's heart. I feel like maybe... You're bad at things. And and I doubt you'd be able to build an entire person from scratch. Challenge accepted. <laughs> Have you heard about this book over here? It's in black and white. I love the idea that that book would just exist. Like, you know, Dr. Whale is clearly a guy that probably would read stuff. Just be like cruising somewhere and be like, I don't know where he'd find it. But I would just love that him finding like a Dr. Frankenstein book. Just be like, wait a minute. <laughs> This guy's a genius. This is the smartest guy I've ever met in my life. And it's only literally one page in where in of the final chapter that Emma gets her memories. That she remembers everything about being a baby. And, okay. and, and it's all real and everything's all real. And then she's just like, da-da, it's real. All of it's real. I believe in magic now. I'm going to go attack Regina and punch her in the face. I'm not super opposed to that. And they're going to be like, we got to fix this. Henry is is asleep and he might die. Okay, we need to get gold. And gold's like, it's cool. I got a potion. It'll fix everything. But it's inside of a dragon. (laughs) This whole scene was so hysterical because we don't get a lot of insight into Emma's brain. But we get it randomly in this scene where he's like, I made a potion using your parents' hair to make the strongest potion ever, and I put a contingency in the dark curse. And then Emma immediately thinks, hmm, this is smart. <laughs> That's a good plan. <laughs> he did the right thing. And he's like, yeah, it's like a pressure valve. And she's like, hmm, this makes sense. This is great. And I also love that it's, I'm the savior, but it's not like a cult thing or a prophecy. It's literally a prophecy, my girl. Like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> Yeah, that was a weird sentence. It says she, she says, almost relieved that it wasn't about religion or a prophecy. It was simply about the manner in which a lonely old man had constructed a spell. That is distinctly not true, as proven in later seasons. But, you know, we can't we can't fault the show for the, the book for that because the other seasons didn't exist. But the savior is like literally a title that's so important that in the season that we're currently taking a sabbatical from uh, because of the strike, like... There's like a legacy of saviors throughout his throughout fictional world history with like Aladdin and stuff. Such is the fate of all saviors to 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 be constructed in a spell by a lonely old man. By a lonely old man. It's just a, it's just a sad guy who misses his son. I mean, are they saying Jafar is a lonely old man? I mean, 
Maybe that's the that maybe that's hus- the pattern. <laughs> that'd be a hysterical thing to yell at Jafar. You are a lonely old man. <laughs> the savior is just the 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 common enemy of the savior is a lonely old man. It's just Oh, that's so funny. Um I would like to point out also that like Jefferson or not Jefferson, I'm sorry, August is just like, Yes, we're writing these final chapters. I made this book. I put it all together. I'm this, that, and the other thing. And I was like, is August the author? <laughs> Did he do this? Hello? That's actually a really good point because you have to be the author to to do that. I, I would just love that, like, because obviously the author would put together, like, the scripting, like, the right font and stuff and the rotoscope pictures and stuff like that. But I would love that, like, the, like August's version of this is just, like... A, a, a five subject notebook from Staples that he's been like writing in. And he's just like, D- D- Henry, this is the book. I wrote once upon a time on it in a Sharpie. Like I could, I, I, every time I tried to write in the regular book, it, it took away my ink, but I wrote in this one. <laughs> I also drew, I also drew some really pretty pictures in the margins. There's here's a rose and here's a little smiley face. I wanted to add a little happiness because this is a pretty sad page. Because it's also, about yeah, yeah, sad. When I first started writing this book, when I was on um on an island that um I misread the first time, <laughs> uh, because it's a real island in Thailand, but in print just looks like fuck it. <laughs> but I would love the idea of, like, August is writing some stuff, but then there's just three pages of him drawing that, like, weird S we all drew in middle school. Ah, uh, yeah. The Stussy symbol. <laughs> he's like, I know a lot of these stories. And then he's like, I'm going to do this a whole bunch. <laughs> well, speaking of August, Emma goes to see him, and he is, uh-oh, almost entirely turned into wood, and she can see it now, and he's like, you believe. You must believe in yourself even more. And then he turns into wood. And that's the last we see of August in this book. Goodbye, August. We presume you're dead. That's the wrap on August. (laughs) Bye-bye. And then Regina and Emma head down to the library. Emma goes down and she fights a dragon. And she fights for like two pages. And that's it. And then also Henry's dying. She fights a dragon. She doesn't have a lot of weird thoughts about it. She's just like, oh, man, it's a dragon. It is kind of bigger than it should be. I know what I'll do. I'm going to shoot my gun at it. Obviously, I know this happened in the show, but it's still funnier when you're seeing it in print. She's like, I pulled out my gun. It didn't do anything. So I'm going to throw my sword at it. And then I'm just going to casually fish this out of the dragon and have no thoughts about how weird it is to be rooting around in the chest cavity of a dead dragon. It's just things being described. Nothing about the people. Like, I, I hate just comparing to the show over and over and over again, but this is a really important moment of that is when Emma looks up and sees the dragon for the first time, Jennifer Morrison, like, shows that on her face. It is awe, disbelief, terror, and fascination, like, all at the same time. Like, she's like, oh, like, because it's one thing to, like, oh, I have a memory of being put in a magic wardrobe. It's another to see a fucking dragon right in front of your face. Yeah, and to also be like, hell, they hand her a sword, and she just goes, okay, and takes it. Like, if someone handed me a sword, a giant gold sword, I would have a lot of very strong internal thoughts about it. 
mostly about how cool it was and how I probably cut myself a bunch with it on accident while I was swinging it around. But, like, she never was just like, wow, this, you know, here's some, it's just a gold sword that apparently was her father's. And she's like, cool, I'll, I'll take that in my gun. And I'm not going to ask a lot of questions. We don't ever get any confirmation about who this is. It's just a dragon that we murder. And then we fish something out of her. And then she's like, okay, um, I'm going to throw the egg up to, to gold. Uh, well, I'm sorry. First of all, she fishes it out and it's the egg. And then she does have a thought. Oh, this is a great thing to put a potion in. This is an amazing... I, I, it was the most baffling thing. The only insight I get on this is Emma going, yes, this was smart. I'm like, she just keeps thinking everything that Gold did makes a lot of sense. She calls it the perfect carrying case for a love potion. And then it's, hey, I can't throw it up because it's too fragile. Okay, is it too fragile or is it the perfect carrying case? Come on, let's get it together. <laughs> Emma, consistency. Come on. And... Yeah, and then gold disappears, and I could have sworn, like, in this, like, Regina had been, like, knocked unconscious or, like, tied up or something. And, yeah. Like, but, but in this, no, Regina had literally just left. Yeah, Regina just <laughs> peaced out, and then, like, Emma had to crawl out. Um, <laughs> So she crawls out, because that's what it is. She was just like, oh, she threw up the gold, gold left, and she's like, damn you, lonely old man. And then it's like, anyway, I got back to the hospital after I'd crawled out of the elevator pit. <laughs> Henry was dead. Aww. Uh, so I kissed him. I didn't care if he was dead or not. <sighs> what a wild line. <laughs> to say about a child. <laughs> to say about a child. I'm going to kiss him on the forehead. I don't care if he's dead or not. Emma. <laughs> Whoa. And like, the the whole Emma kissing Henry t- and breaking the curse, everyone getting their memories back, Snow and Charming seeing each other for kind of the first time in decades is all done in the span of five pages. It's not, it's so little. <laughs> it's, it's, I, I looked, like I have it on my Amazon Kindle. It's an older one like yours. The final like thing about her going to see Henry is at 98%. Yeah. I'm sorry, you need more space than that to describe the most important part of the entire first season. Arguably one of the most important things in the show. It's Emma... Not only believing, but using her belief and her love to do the thing that the whole book has been building to the entire time. Mm-hmm. Like we we get more we get more time spent talking about all the bloody parts that are on the ground when Red and Snow are hanging out. Why do we get more time on that than we do about yeah this? Yeah, we don't get we get the weird unhinged line. The, the I don't care if he's dead or not. But we don't get a whole bunch of, like, I loved, I was finding a way, like, I loved this kid. Like, I can't believe it. We were finally, you know, like, it was all kind of making sense in this grade. Like, he was right. Like, that's what I wanted. I wanted, oh my gosh, Henry was correct. I loved him so much. I can't believe I lost him. I'm devastated. I'm broken. I lost a piece of me I didn't know I even had. Blah, blah, blah. Some big emotional thing where she kisses him, tears streaming down her face. Because that's what we get in the show. We get that all reading on Jennifer Morrison's beautiful, beautiful face. And we don't get that. We just get her just being like, oh, he's dead. I'm going to kiss him. <laughs> like, and then I felt a pulse ripple through. And then Snow and Charming, like, find each other. And they're like, we love you so much. And then a cloud happens. And Regina leaves. The end. Thanks for coming. 
Yeah, and the line is the the, the final closing line is is like is Henry just says thanks, and then Emma says for what, and he says for coming back. Like that's literally the line. Why wasn't he even like for coming home, like for believing? The, yeah. Why is the final line for coming back? That's the dumbest line <laughs> to close out your book. This is, thanks so much, why for coming back? It's literally the least I could do. You died. <laughs> Everybody, that was reawaken a once upon a time tale. Well, kid, I I wanted to just wouldn't it be great to have a super dark line for no reason? Well, kid, I was there when you you were born. It's pretty cool. I was there when you died. (laughs) Real life's a full circle moment. Uh, yeah, that's it, guys. That's reawakened. Thanks for thanks for coming back. Yes, thanks for for sticking with us. This one was, I mean, I just. If you enjoyed it, more power to you. It was an easy read. Like, I probably could have gotten through this whole thing in like a couple hours. Um, But that didn't make it a good read. <laughs> but I'd say the plus sides were the first chapter and the red chapter. I thought both of those were pretty strong. Those were very strong chapters. And I think it was because more was described yeah. More was inside more more living inside the heads. And I think, you know, obviously our fatal flaw here was we went into it with very high expectations. <laughs> this has this had a very distinct uh early version like early years of us podcasting when we when we started Ooh. in the middle of like season five or whatever, where we're like, No, it's fine, it's fine. We're just gonna keep powering through it, it'll eventually get better by the end of it. We're just like oh, okay. Okay. Like it it could have been better. It's what it is. I think we just expected a lot from it for some reason to fill some sort of void. Um, but the reviews don't lie. I, I've nope. read several of the reviews. Several of the reviews are just like, oh, it's, it's a real nice supplementary. Supplementary is the key word here. It in no way replaces it. And it in no way adds to it. So. Yeah. It, and it, do, it, it, yeah, I can't replace watching the show. And it doesn't really work as a companion piece for the show because you don't get any additional insight that you don't already get from the show. It's like if you're waiting between seasons before Netflix exists and you're like, I just want a little reminder of what happened in the story. Well, here you go. Here's a little reminder. Is it going to give you everything? Hell no. But it'll give you something. But I've heard it is uphill from here. Amazing. next. The next book is Red's Untold Story, which I have heard is the best of the four. Oh, okay. Cool. Um, cool, cool. So, um, you know, whether or not that's true remains to be seen. We will continue because we'll the writer. We'll see about that. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, the writer strike, as long as it's continued, we're going to continue to explore these books and stories in alternate ways to explore our wonderful world of Once Upon a Time. I will, the final thought I want to give about Reawaken Once Upon a Time tale is, what happened with Frederick? <laughs> the question that we've all wondered. What the happened biggest to Frederick? Plot hole, the biggest plot hole in this whole thing. What, in fact, happened? To Frederick. 
Well, let us know in the comments if you want to make something. If you have some ideas about what indeed happened to Frederick, because the book doesn't tell us anything. Who is he? What did he do? What happened to him? And why did it happen to him? Poor Frederick. He was so, he got named and then never shown. Much like Belle. Belle gets kind of pointed out and then just, oh, I guess it's fine. (laughs) Abby, any closing thoughts about Reawakened Once Upon a Time tale before we move on to Red's untold story? Uh, Not really. Uh, It was, it's fine. It's, it's fine. It was, I'm, I'm, I was between reading, I read like, um, I, I mentioned it before, I was reading the uh, A Court of Rose and Thorns and Roses series, so it's much different than that. <laughs> there, there were no uh, starlights going out in anyone's eyes, no one's eyes were darkening, um, there were not a lot of uh, very strange descriptions that only Sarah J. Moss can make, um, but I'm also like reading textbooks about water sampling, so... <laughs> It's just real. It, it landed right solely in the middle. Um, I'll give it that. A lot of words. It was very. It was an easy read. It be, and again, it's on Kindle Unlimited, so you guys can just like power through it. Uh, yeah. Real quick. It's a good. It's one of those like, hey, it's a rainy afternoon. I could see this being like, it's rainy. It's fall. I got like hot cider or something, and then I'm just gonna like sit down and read a whole book in an afternoon kind of vibe. Because it's also short. I also, I don't like it when there's like, it's a Kindle Unlimited book. It's a really easy read. But it's the longest book you've ever read in your life. It's someone's like absolute uh, tome of fan fiction that is now turned into a hockey drama. And it is pages upon pages. Anyway, it's a different story. Um, No final thoughts other than those. And if you read them all with us, thank you. This was, this was fun. I mean, we were having a good time. Yeah, playing yeah, with it, but like I, I had fun talking about it. I'm glad we got to read them. Got to take the space for yeah. this. I'm glad we won't read that one again. And we're moving on to one that hopefully is a little bit better. Well, everyone, thank you so much for joining us for this latest episode of Once Upon a Timing. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get those podcasts. You can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash OUA timing. And you can support us on Patreon. Thank you so much to our patrons for your love and support. This week's Patreon shout out goes to Ashley Buschetta. Thank you so much. And... In the spirit of giving in September, I guess, um, our patrons, I'm offering a little gift, a little fall present. Uh, On this post, if you leave on Patreon, if you leave a comment uh, with your impressions of the book, what you thought about it, either reading it or listening to us talk about it, uh, I will pick one of you to receive a free copy of Red's Untold Story that will be taken care of by Once Upon a Timing as a little extra thank you for your support. So make sure to leave a comment in the Patreon post, uh, which will be going up. Well, when you see it, it will be up, obviously. When you see it, here it <laughs> when is. You see it, here it is. Uh, and we'll go ahead and pick one before uh, the following episode uh, so that you'll have time to get started with us on that journey. So thank you so much. And Abby, we'll see you and read you next week. See you next week. <laughs>